Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control your own body and get the health care everyone needs has been stolen. And now politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common sense policies that protect your right to control your own body and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, you can help reclaim your rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. Here's an HIV pill dilemma for you. Picture the scene. There's a rooftop sunset with fairy lights and you're vibing with friends. You remember you've got to take your HIV pill. Important, yes, but the fun moment is gone. Did you know there's a long-acting treatment option available? So catch the sunset and keep the party going. Visit PillFreeHIV.com today to learn more. Brought to you by Vive Healthcare. Hey, listeners, Sam, Saeed, and Zach here. And we have a very special announcement before we start the episode. Saeed, Zach, can you give us a drum roll sound? I'm just going to go Okay. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, that was good. That was good. This summer, Vibe Check is going to have not one, but two live events. They're both coming up very, very soon. We are so excited. Pride is our month, and we are in full effect. First, Boston. You can catch us on Thursday, June 22nd at WBUR City Space. And then New York, our girlies there, will be able to see you live in color, in person, on Friday, June 23rd at 92nd Street Y with special guest... Drumroll, 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 drumroll. Pin Badgley. We're so excited Pin to see Badgley. him. Pin Badgley. Pin Badgley. What are y'all going to wear? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Something mm. to die for, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wear my best human skin suit. <laughs> Oi! Can't wait. Can't wait. Listeners, fun fact, these are our first live events ever, ever as a group of three people coming together. So please come out and see us. We can't wait to see you in real life. It's going to be such a good kiki. Click the links in our episode description for tickets to the show. We can't wait to see you there. Hello, ladies. Hi. Hello, girls. <laughs> Hi, girlies. I'm Sam Sanders. I'm Saeed Jones. And I'm Zach Stafford. And you are listening to Vibe Check. Countdown to Beyonce edition. Countdown to Beyonce. Countdown. I've been dreaming of Beyonce Ooh. every night. <laughs> Not I. Have y'all packed wow. yet? I need to pack. Yo, I've already packed. 
What's the vision for your Beyonce looks? Have you been studying to oh, I have. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be wearing tennis shoes or comfortable footwear. I do love my Birkenstocks, but my know. default is just to wear a suit to everything. And I'm like, let me <laughs> what? not roll suit up to, to this concert with a suit on. I don't know. Don't do it. I don't it. know I don't what know. I thought you were about to say, but it was not going to be I'm like, wearing church clothes. I was like, what if she sees me and she's like, oh, that young man is very well dressed. Come on stage, sir. She, I just, I just, because I think people are able to start entering the stadium at like 5 p.m. Oh, no. Oh, no. And she doesn't go on, I think, until 8. Oh, no. And then the show goes until 11.30. So, you know, just think about that. I've been in long church services in a suit. And for me, a Beyonce concert is church service in a way. You are a church girl. I'm a church church girl. girl. What if if I come dressed as a Baptist deacon? With a a little, like the the little cardboard fan? Yes. Oh, okay. Beyonce's face on it. What if if when she breaks out into church girl, I bust out the black church tambourine? How about that? They're not ready. Will they let you bring that (laughs) tambourine? She would stop you. She'd be like, "Uh, stop. (laughs) Interference. Julius. Julius, get, get this queen. It does seem that she is paying a lot of attention to the audiences. <laughs> oh, Did you yeah. see where She's talking the, to her. What was it? The Swedish audience couldn't hit a note to save their lives, and she was not. Sure couldn't. Be. She was very disappointed. <laughs> and then in Belgium, they were like a little too excited about Julius, and she definitely uh, gave she them a look him. like. Uh. <laughs> My biggest fear, because you know, all these performers, at some point in some song, they'll give the mic to someone in the crowd and have them sing a line. My fear is she gets <gasps> me to do it, and I'm off key. Yes. I would die. Um, <laughs> I would die. That's like it's like um that's like the menu when he makes the guy cook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you like this so much, why don't you uh-huh. get in the kitchen and make a Wait, dish? Wait, Sam, oh, is no. there a song that you think you could do a good job at? No. <laughs> it's a just Beyonce no. concert. No. <laughs> How do you know? I'm just like catastrophizing over her being like, do the opening riff of Countdown now. Four, three, two, one. And I'm like, I can't do it, Beyonce. I'm sorry. Hit you with a mic and hit you with a mic and hit you with a Julius, mic. get him out of here. <laughs> we have to talk about what we're actually yeah, talking listen, about. And, and honestly, we're very excited about Beyonce, but I have to say, personally, I think I'm procrastinating getting into these two topics that are frankly horrific. <laughs> For two different reasons. Friends, this week on Vibe Check, we are talking about something that our sister Zach has <laughs> brought chaos. to our attention. <laughs> um, I'm reading from the script, and the term is, and I quote, Barefoot Boy Summer. See? We'll get through it together. We should not have gone back outside. <laughs> we should have <laughs> stayed stay in the inside. House. Stay we inside. We should have right. through it together. And then uh, changing gears, but a different kind of horror absolutely is Ron DeSantis, uh, governor of Florida, is wreaking havoc as a campaign strategy. And I I think y'all don't need us to tell y'all how bad it is, but we're going to try to make sense of what's going on and what it will mean for people now and moving forward, at least into the next Mm -hmm. few years. So, Ron DeSantis, oi. Yeah, obviously we're we're very excited about all the travel and everything, but let's let's do our vibe check. How are we feeling, girls? Zach, how are you? I'm good. I'm feeling very excited to go to Europe, to get out of America, to go back. <laughs> <laughs> he says, set me free. <laughs> 
Did you buy a return ticket? Maybe not. I can cancel <laughs> it. Um, but I'm like, I'm going to Italy for a wedding before I meet up with you all in London. And I'm so excited to go back. It's been years since I've been there, but I'm now remembering all the racism in Italy. So now I'm a bit, mm. you know, feeling excited, but also feeling nervous. You know, it can hold both truths at one time, but we'll see how it goes. I'm really interested to see what a wedding in Italy is like. Italy has mm. become like the destination for white people getting married. And this is my first <laughs> Italian <laughs> wedding. Is it the White Lotus effect or is this? It is the white I think it's White Lotus effect. It's a lot of things happening there. But um yeah, I'm just interested in the production. How do you do a wedding abroad? How many people come? Right. Do people get on your nerves? Can you escape? I have lots of questions. So this is my first actually it's my first wedding abroad, so I'll come back with notes. Okay. Logistics. I'm into it. Logistics. Yeah. My only guidance for going to a party outside of your time zone by a lot, and you know this, jet lag affects your alcohol tolerance. Yes. So tread oh. carefully. Yes. Like you be get drunk when you're jet lagged. It's, it's over. It's, it's over. Like really... and, 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 you know, loath as I am to say that a concert is more important than someone's nuptials. But it is. this is Beyonce is. we're talking about. So it is. <laughs> and I need you to be Don't you show up ready for London after sir. this wedding. Thank you. Don't you show up raggedy. Don't you show up in London and embarrass me in front of I've Beyonce. Con- <laughs> no, I've considered, like, not drinking at this wedding, like, going for runs every day to prepare for mm-hmm. Beyonce. Like, I'm like, this is, like, my, like, training ground for Beyonce. Mm-hmm. You turn to that bride and say, I know this is your day, but the reality is that you are the warm-up act. The warm-up, honey. And I love you for listening, uh, but this is the warm-up for Beyonce. <laughs> Congratulations to the couple. Saeed wishes yes. you the best. I like wow. literally, in to Saeed's point, like I wake up the day after the wedding on a flight immediately, the first flight out See, to Beyonce. You better so, you get know, to the airport four hours early. Don't even screw around. I may show up drunk you. still. Listen, <laughs> listening yeah. to Renaissance, bumping through okay. the Italian okay. airport in Genoa. So, yeah, Sam, mm-hmm. how are you doing on the East Coast? Yeah. I am turning the Beyonce concert into like a three-week trip. So spending some time in Europe after the concert, but also seeing some work folks and some friend folks on the East Coast before and after the trip. So I am kind of jet-lagged on the East Coast, but surviving. But I'm really most excited today about some really good news from this week for a queer person of color, which you don't see a lot of these days in the headlines. Brittany Griner is back. She's playing basketball again. She came back to the court in the Mercury Sparks season opener, and it was beautiful. I saw the images. I saw some video. The numbers are out. The broadcast peaked at a million viewers, which is a big milestone that's really good for that kind of game. So I'm happy for her, and I'm holding on to that good news in a week where you have Ron DeSantis still being mean to queer people. You know? There's some hope. I do hope that she and the folks around her give her the grace and space to deal with what is most likely PTSD from the experience. You know, this wasn't like she was out for a few weeks because she sprained her ankle. You know, like this is a really big deal. And so I'm just hopeful, prayerful that she is, you know, rested and taking care of herself. But I'm just happy for her. And yay, that's my vibe. I love that. Love it. Oh, man. Said, how are you? What's your vibe? Uh, my vibe is good. My vibe is summer. My boyfriend was here in Columbus for a week, and then he went back to New York to get ready for London. We're going to meet there in a few days. And then my best friend, Isaac Fitzgerald, drove here. Oh, wow. He drove from New York City? Yeah, he has a Jeep now. We're very excited. The Jeep's name is Rabbit. So he's been here. And then a friend had a 40th birthday over the weekend. Happy birthday, Josh. So it's been a... 
it's, it's, it's a lot going on okay. <laughs> and, and yeah. I'm packing tonight to go to uh, London. So yeah, it, it just feels like, it, you know what it is? Often I feel like most years going into summer, there's like a moment where I kind of need to decide for myself. Summer is here, Saeed, we're doing this. This year it felt like summer came to me. Like yeah. just, not, the last week up. or so, I was just it's just been this in and out and where are we going? And okay, yeah. let's go for it. I love it. I've been feeling it since you were in L.A. for the L.A. Times Book Fest. It's like all of a sudden something happened around April where like the universe said, we're back outside. We're gathering. Your friends are going to be around. Get into it. And I'm like, yeah. Feels nice. Sam, I blame your monthly parties for that. Don't the be telling that folks you I have a monthly party. <laughs> See now? See now? Sorry, <laughs> these sometimes monthly parties that happen uh, where you have people over for, for food. That began, that, that to me is <laughs> the beginning of summer. Because I was like, I am literally outside right now on a Friday. <laughs> Listen, if you have heard us talk about this backyard party I have once a month, yes, it's true. We full up. My backyard ain't that big. Sorry, y'all. Love you. Mean it. Yeah. Yeah, oh, he's you know. lying, listeners. He, is he, he has an estate back there. Sorry, we are totally talking all your business. Fine, all your business. Fine. Sam has an estate back there, I just want to say. Girl, that's a plot of land, not an estate. <laughs> You're a one small acre, field. Sam's mule. <laughs> yeah, where the mule at? <laughs> See, listeners, can you tell we need a vacation? Can you tell we, we need out a vacation? Here? We need a vacation. Uh, <laughs> but also, that does bring me next Wednesday's episode. We're very excited because we You'll be hearing us join Janae Desmond Harris on the Dear Prudence podcast. You get to hear us give some life advice, love mm-hmm. advice, maybe love and robot advice. Dare yeah. is a robot. Dare yeah. I tease? Uh-huh. Yeah. And Dear Prudence is my favorite advice column. I read all of them. I actually love advice columns. Dear Prudence is like the holy grail for me of that. And to be on that show with Janae, gosh, just a treat. Loved it. It was a treat. And it's also another example of how different the three of us are when dealing with someone else's problems. Because yeah. that whole it's episode a, Honestly, is, it's a masterclass wow. in our three contrasting approaches to problems. <laughs> it's kind of choose your own adventure. You can choose yeah. your own approach. Yeah. 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 The Sam method, the Saeed method, or the Zach method. Exactly. <laughs> By our powers combined, we are a pretty good episode in your feeds next week. Yes. There There we go. All right. Listeners, before we get into this episode, we want to thank you, as always, for being in touch with us. You send us fan mail. We love it. You reach out on social. We love it. Keep it all coming. Keep the emails coming at vibecheck at stitcher.com. Vibecheck at stitcher.com. With that, let's jump in, shall we? Let's do it. Let's go, girlies. All right, so first up, we're going to start off with some chaos. You know, typically we would save this towards the end of the show. We're beginning with this today because I'm stepping out of my house today with no shoes on. No, you're not. I'm not. I'm really oh. not. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to reach through this Zoom I so quick, snatch you up. <laughs> to set the stage, last week I was reading the internet. The New York Post chaotically tweeted a headline that did stop me in my tweeting tracks, and it said, Barefoot Boy Summer, Shoeless Hunks Reclaim Hot Girl Season. And I read that, and I was like, okay, sure. You're making a mountain out of a molehill that is called Jacob Elrody, the the actor from Euphoria, um, who was recently photographed leaving a coffee shop barefoot. And I was like, okay, he's one person. Does he represent other people? And then I remember that Shawn Mendes, the pop singer, also was photographed walking down the street. He was not barefoot. It was one of his was little groupies with yes, him. Yes, it was a groupie with him. One of his little friends, him. as our aunties would say. A little friend of his. 
was walking uh-huh. barefoot through the streets of Malibu. And not the beach, like the literal streets of Malibu. And fun fact, if you haven't been to Malibu, Malibu doesn't have many streets. So this was a really intentional You were on do. rock and sand, baby. You rock, are yeah, out they, there. This, you were out here in these streets. Here's the thing, though, Zach. You say it's not a trend, but if it's three, it's a trend. Can I offer a third that I saw? Yes, third. Go. Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. Did you recently? See this? Yes, walking around barefoot in New York City, not that long in ago. In New York. Oh my god! In <laughs> New York City. What's happening out here? She had a mask on, but didn't have shoes on. I feel bold wearing my Birkenstocks in one. I, I'm <laughs> like, look, you're you're making a choice, but stick. But barefoot in New yeah. York City. Oh my god! You would think, okay, maybe they're leaving the pool. Maybe they're walking into a pool. Maybe they're going somewhere with water. No, no, these girls are fully dressed, head to toe, full outfits, and no shoes on. Where this hit a fever pitch for me was Sunday morning. I was driving to the gym down Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles, and a very hot man was walking down the street, and he was dressed with no shoes on. And I text the group chat, and I just could never get See, over it. So that's why I keep my ass south of the 10. Y'all <laughs> foolish up there. Y'all foolish up there. <laughs> but like, let's just begin there. What do you guys think of this? Where is it coming from? Is this an actual trend or are we just seeing rich white people? I will say this. It's never an accident. Celebrities like Shawn Mendes and Drew Barrymore and Jacob Elordi of HBO fame, they know when they're going to be photographed. Don't they usually contact the, not always, but often often they're being photographed because someone's let them know they'll be in front of some fancy bar or restaurant, right? So they did this on purpose and they want us to think that it makes them even cooler. But here's the thing for me. It's like... What kind of people get to walk around barefoot in public and it's cool for them? And what kind of people don't get to do that? And to your point there, another example we didn't list yet, but we should, is that the show Succession, which I watch every week, a few episodes ago, showed Alex Skarsgård leaving his private jet and walking onto another jet without his shoes on. And he said in an interview that he felt like this tech billionaire would do this as like a show of power and privilege. And that's Uh. how he would enter a plane without shoes on. So this weirdly, and that was filmed last year. So there is something in the ether around rich white people and no shoes. Yeah. And I know, I mean, we we mentioned Drew Barrymore, but but, um, since it is interesting, a lot of men who, I, I don't know, we always think of male celebrities as like, trendsetters in this way, right? I think often it's like kind of feminine coded. But to me, it feels like I I see a bit of a parallel to like women celebrities wearing impossibly high heels Mm. to make public appearances or like, you know, like that kind of thing where like if you're being driven around, escorted around, I always tell people I'm like real power is that there would be a car waiting for you the entire time you're at the restaurant or you're at the store, whatever, where you literally like walk right out of wherever you've been and just get into a car and there's no waiting, there's no pause, there's no looking at your phone on the sidewalk, the no intermediary, you know, kind of space. And that's such a privileged status. And I just think in the same way, like celebrities wearing high heel shoes and like the Louboutins where the red paint literally is designed to kind of come mm-hmm. off if you're mm-hmm. walking around in those shoes like a normal person. Beyonce ain't doing that. You know what yeah. I mean? It, it feels to me like maybe this is the, the male version of that class flex. Like who can afford to kind of, you know, because it, it was, I, I doubt that like Sean Mendes is posse that they were walking around all day. It feels like a very performative, showy little stunt. You know, and this 
feels a little aligned with another trend that I've been observing online. Y'all see it on TikTok. There have been think pieces written about it. Uh, one of my favorite writers over at The Atlantic, Amanda Mole, wrote a whole thing about it. But this idea of stealth wealth, mm-hmm. which really came out of a close viewing of succession, you know, how do the really, really, really rich dress? Mm-hmm. And they dress so that other rich people know how rich they are. But a lot of folks who aren't rich can't quite tell. And this is a moment in which I'm examining class indicators and class signifiers. And there's something in the ether with celebrities and rich folks about how they show wealth and power. And they got to be new and cute about it because the old flexes aren't woke anymore. And maybe the barefoot feet is the way they do that. I don't know. I'm totally thinking out loud, but there's something here. And there was some, there's been some writing about that, that there is a version of this that is stealth wealth, but in Australia, that there is a trend with Australian folks who do engage with grounding is a word that you use for this. Oh, and Jacob Elordi is Australian. Jacob Elordi is Australian. But it's about like health and wellness. Them but isn't that yoga. in a field, on some grass, <laughs> doing things outside, not walking to the coffee shop? Typically it would be, yeah. But there's a way, they do walk around in public without shoes as a way to engage in kind of this like grounding behavior, which Well, here's the like, thing. Here's the, because I just, I just can't stand it. And I refuse. I don't believe in <laughs> self-wealth. I don't believe in this grounding. I don't believe in any of it. The only thing that I think is interesting is kind of what, Sam, what you're getting to. And this is a long, long known phenomenon, right? But that sense of like when when a rich person or when a white person walks around barefoot they're it's regarded cute. in one way yes, it may trend. be cute they're certainly not imperiled whereas if a black person or a brown person were to walk down the streets of LA barefoot suddenly yeah. you know what i mean you might yes. be getting arrested actually you might be accused of public loitering all well, of a sudden This is a display of wealth and power, but it's also a display of race. It's very Mm -hmm. much a display of race. And we have been thinking and talking about this since seeing, you know, barefoot hot boy summer become a thing. Like, what are other (laughs) things? I can't even keep a straight face. I know, right? But also, no, the fact that they're calling it Barefoot like, Boy Summer as like yeah. a ripoff of Hot Girl Summer, which is from Meg The Stallion, uh, just feels also racialized. I just, like, felt, Megan, I just felt Megan just roll yeah. her eyes somewhere in Houston. just like. Oh, but it's please. like, for me, it's like, what are some other things that the wealthy and the celebrities and wealthy white celebrities can do that anybody else just can't do? And there's so much. Not paying taxes, sorry. Not paying taxes is a very yeah. rich white person. Drug use. It's chic. Because I, it mm-hmm. I think what we're getting to is sure there's the privilege, but there's a sense that it's chic and it's cool when yes. a certain type of person does it. When another type of person does it, it's regarded, yeah, as poor or your life is falling apart as opposed to being like a playboy. You know? I remember when there was, this is well over a year ago, a raging internet debate over celebrities taking showers or not. And there was kind of a privilege afforded to the rich to be like, well, you know, I'm rich anyway. I don't have to shower. Right. Like this is a whole yeah. thing. Yes, and to, like to name names, Ashton Kutcher, who's very wealthy, famously only wipes his private parts every day, you know, <gasps> under arms and doesn't shower. Jake Gyllenhaal has started showering less. Matthew McConaughey and Dax Shepard both have not worn deodorant in over 30 years because they like the man smell they produce. <laughs> Wait, Saeed's face is like, really? <laughs> 
Now, see, this is where I'm going to come out and be the black hippie in this one and say, there's a lot of weird stuff in deodorant. So I get it. Oh, my God. Oh deodorant my God. is weird. Expose her. Deodorant is weird. She's sitting in, the, in her little compound in L.A. with her so-called plot of land with her mule <laughs> not wearing deodorant. Because <laughs> I'm in my house, girl. Shoot. I do get not wearing deodorant because that stuff is weird. But... I am very interested. <laughs> I just listen. I don't care. I, I can hear wild. the emails being written, Sam. I can hear the keyboards clicking and tapping. But let's do some other examples. What are some other examples? So, you know, there is a very clear way in which things become trends. And the trends sometimes tell you a lot about race, class, wealth, all these things in the world. And they're just kind of interesting indicators around how culture is produced. So, you know, the fact that the New York Post, which is a very famously racist newspaper, would have huge headlines telling men to walk barefoot this summer in order to be interesting. And then for me to see when walking down the street is just another example of like, you know, how we as black men are reading the news and be like, ooh, the world, that's not, that's not for me. I that's guess I us. could never do that. I don't yeah. know. Let's lean into it. You know, go up to a rich, straight white man in your life and say, yeah, walk barefoot. If you were really a man, you'd go <laughs> step on that dirty needle. Uh, go for it. <laughs> Prove it. How tough what? are you? Oh my God. <laughs> I like this. Okay. That's- uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's, it's time to play dirty. They do. <laughs> uh, I'm dead. I just think it's it's just gross. I don't I mean, one, it's not safe. You you should not be walking around in public spaces barefoot, like just straight up. But people I hate, by all means, go like, for please, it. Endanger please. yourself. Yes. Endanger, please. We're okay with that. Ron DeSantis, Elon Musk. Donald Trump, be barefoot in the street. Also, also, I am willing to bet, I am willing to bet that the very kinds of people who would pointedly not wear shoes in public are also the kinds of people who won't take their shoes off when they walk into your house. <laughs> That's, I think this is a chance, if you want to, to read up on the creation of class and the creation of like these signifiers. Like I'm always obsessed with the way things that are downscale over time are turned upscale. Like there used Mm. to be a time if you had an exposed brick wall in your house, it meant you were poor. And after a certain point, exposed brick walls were desired and became a sign of wealth. You know, the open floor plan loft, it was usually meant that you couldn't afford a single family home and now it's desired, right? There's Mm -hmm. a constant in America recycling and upcycling of trends and things from poor people to rich people, and I'm obsessed with that. It's always tied to race, but this is actually part of that for me. It yeah. also, I guess, the the barefoot trend, which is it's like so ludicrous, and like all trends are shallow inherently, right? But there, there's something here that just feels so threadbare, and I just it, to me, it feels like this intersection of late capitalism collides with this crisis of celebrity. We don't really have celebrities in the same way oh, yeah. that mm. we used, you know, in terms of the like. A-list. Julia Roberts, know, George, that, Clooney, George Clooney, the Juggernauts. Yeah. Right, where, where it felt like, I don't know, there was something about that caliber of fame and celebrity where it felt like even with the trends, there was something to offer. And it just feels mm-hmm. like there's nothing. It's like it's like celebrity culture on fumes. I'm like, barefoot yeah. boys, that's what you got for us? Well, you know it's what like, I mean? All right, so like the most Shawn Mendes can give us is his friend walking barefoot. And that's how you stay relevant. It seems as if like in this era of fractured monoculture and celebrities everywhere, 
they're giving you less actual product, but more things to just stay in your feeds. And that can be tiring. Like that yeah, can yeah. be tiring. It is tiring. And it's when you compare this to Meg the Stallion's huge trend of Hot Girl Summer, which was about embodying yourself, and that was real. being that sexy, was something. being in the public, going back outside. And particularly like a black woman embodying exactly. her body. And, yeah. These things are not the same. Like we should not be comparing Meg the Stallion's Hot Girl Summer with Jacob's barefoot boy walking. <laughs> like, And it just is like mediocrity. I'm just laughing at the fact that like white boys in Brooklyn are going to be walking barefoot through Williamsburg after they gentrified it from. Black I love people. it. Again, just like, get out there, <laughs> go for it, buddy. It's going to be great. take off those socks. Wow. Step, yeah, like you know, like we were like touch grass. I'm like step on glass. Step Don't on touch glass. grass. <laughs> step on glass. I want that on a t-shirt. Put that on a t-shirt. Okay, I think All right, we're there. Well, listeners, thank you for being on this ride with us, <laughs> and thank you to the poet Saeed Jones for giving us a word just then. Um, but if there are trends that you see emerging this summer that you're like, huh? Or if there are things you just don't understand, like why Sam doesn't wear deodorant, et cetera, see, et cetera. Now, I see y'all. Send now, us an email. I'm telling you, Reach in out. that moment, you now, set the course of the rest of your year. We are going to be talking about, I'm telling you, I know how this goes, Sam. <laughs> you have chosen a path uh. for yourself. Look at you. All right. Well, let's take a break, <laughs> but stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Vibe Check. Hey there, Zach Stafford, co-host of Vibe Check. And something I heard really early on in my career was this phrase that has never left me. It is, you can't be what you can't see. And for me, that is so true. All of the Black people I got to grow up and watch on television, be journalists, and so much more are the foundation to why I continue to have a media career. And that's the case for so, so many people. And if you're looking for the next generation of influential Black voices in media, you can find all of them on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, friends. I'm Alameen Abdul-Mahmoud. I'm the host of the new podcast, Commotion. If you don't know about us yet, well, we are your daily deep dive into the biggest stories coming out of the world of pop culture, art, and entertainment. And luckily, I'm not going to be doing it alone, okay? I'll be joined by some brilliant culture writers and thoughtful superfans. We're going to have hilarious hot takes. We're going to have vibrant debates. Consider this your invitation to join the group chat. Get in here and join us. Commotion, available weekdays on CBC Listen. All right, we are back, and we're going to switch gears and talk about something not fun at all, but it's important, so we're going to discuss it. Uh, talking about Florida, we have on the show before talked about some of the really, really harmful policies coming out of Florida right now, but this week, I want us to look at all of it holistically and talk about the fate of the one man behind all of this drama, current Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. He is set to announce his run for the presidency next week. 
or by the end of this week, but it feels like he's been running from Florida for at least a year now. You've all been seeing what we've been seeing. Currently in Florida, DeSantis has signed bills that ban children from gender-affirming care, uh, bills that limit the gender-affirming care adults can receive. He has restricted the use of pronouns in classrooms. He has cut back on the teaching of real American history in classrooms. He's tried to legislate bathroom access, and he most recently cracked down on immigration in Florida, which has already left jobs unfilled in the state. He's limited immigrants' access to health care. And lest we forget, he started a fight with Disney that has so far cost his state billions of dollars and possibly thousands of jobs. I want to talk about what all of that means in the context of Ron DeSantis announcing his run while political watchers are already saying he's dead in the water. What the hell? How do we feel when we see this juxtaposition, Zach and Saeed? He's done a lot to convince his base to vote for him, but it hasn't worked for him, and yet real people are still hurt. Yeah, I get confused by Ron DeSantis because I don't know what type of Republican he is and who he's trying to be. So he's in a really complicated position because Donald Trump continues to lead the Republican Party and still has a very fervent base. And he never stops leading, even after the insurrection. Exactly. He, he led that. He led afterwards. He'll lead the next insurrection, probably. You know, that man loves chaos and trying to take down democracy as we know it. Ron DeSantis, you know, is a politician traditionally. He was a congressperson out of Jacksonville, Florida. He rose to become governor. And he's become, like, the most famous person since, I don't know, Jeb Bush to be the governor of Florida. But what he's not fully is Donald Trump. He doesn't have the same MAGA base as Donald Trump, but he tries to kind of do drag as Donald Trump a little bit while also fighting with Donald Trump a lot. So we don't really know who he's going after. The Never Trumpers do like him, but they also don't think he could ever be president, really. And then the MAGA folks will never go to him because Donald Trump is Donald Trump and running. So I don't really know the game he's playing besides destroying people that look like us, our lives in Florida. And It's like he's trying to play a game, but all of those things that we've listed, they hurt real people. And it's like, it seems as if he's trying to make up for his lack of Donald Trump charisma mm-hmm. with just legislation. Yeah. But it is violent. Yeah. Typically, a traditional politician, not someone like a business person who decides to get into politics just so they can run for president, which is now something we're seeing, not just in the United States, all over the world. What I'm trying to say is that typically, someone who's already in office or has been in office for some time, when they decide to run for, let's say, president, they would tout their legislative public policy victories. They would say, look at Mm -hmm. what I did for the taxpayers, the working class. Look what I did for whatever, you know, and this is true for Democrats or Republicans or independents. They would point to the things they got done Mm -hmm. as proof that when they are given more power, they will be able to do more things for more Americans, right? Mm -hmm. What is to me, unusual at least, I'm not mm-hmm. a political science expert, but what feels odd about Ron DeSantis, though, is that he is he's using public policy in the state of Florida kind of the way Trump used Twitter, you know, mm-hmm. going into the White House, which is to say mm-hmm. using it to create his own reality. These are not legislative victories. He's just, you know, he has full control of both houses in Florida, so he's just ramming it through, you know, and it's not yeah. making people's lives better. No. Well, and pretty much All the things that I listed won't actually be implemented yet because they're going to be caught up in court for years. They're going to be caught up in court for years. All of the things he's doing around bathroom access and school curriculum and immigration, 
the ACLU and lots of other folks are already suing. The fight with Disney has gone to court. It won't be over for years. What is also maddening about DeSantis' strategy these last few months and years is he knows this stuff won't work. And he still does it anyway because he wants to get those Fox News headlines. Yeah. And can I underscore one element? So the package that Ron DeSantis just signed is called the Let Kids Be Kids package. Which, and we've wow, talked about before yeah. the, you know, kind of rhetorical trick that so many fascists are trying to do where they're saying like, well, we're passing these policies to protect our children. When, as we say again and again, they don't care about your kids. They don't mm-hmm. care about their kids. This is a part of an escalation. And as soon as they get bored with bullying kids, they immediately move on to, to bully bullying adults. trans adults. And in this policy, if this does come into law and, like you said, goes go through all the court systems and all that kind of stuff, adult trans people in the state of Florida would need to obtain written consent on a form adopted by two oversight boards whose members were appointed by Ron DeSantis in order to Which get Which means they don't have to be medical professionals. Exactly. They're just friends of Ron DeSantis. Exactly. And this is in the current legislation as a part of the Let Kids Be Kids mm-hmm. legislative package. You know, they're already going after adults. And Said, I love how you're framing this as he's treating Florida like Twitter, a la Trump, because what is actually happening, and I think the real violence that's happening out of what he's doing is the cultural reactions we're seeing. So to Sam's point, a lot of these laws are going to get tied up in the legislative bodies and the legal systems, and they will be put to a stop or pause for a little bit. But that does not mean that the people of Florida will not embody them themselves and try to enact them on the people. Mm. And we're seeing yeah. moments of that around the country where people are policing bathrooms more. They're calling out people. They're, they're attacking drag queens. They're showing up in Columbus with guns at drag shows. Mm-hmm. And these are all cultural productions of fear-mongering that we're seeing out of Florida yes. right now. Well, and this is a thing. I think political watchers are saying, well, Ron DeSantis is already dead in the water. He's never going to beat Trump. So perhaps we don't have to worry about this so much. Oh, but God, what Ron so DeSantis has done yeah. is unlocked a playbook that certain parts of the country are going to use. You know, so the ACLU has kept track of all the anti-queer bills across the country. There have been more than 50 introduced this year already. And they will do it more as they see folks like Ron DeSantis keep pushing this stuff. And so it's it's almost as if like he's opened a Pandora's box. Whether he is president or not, he has given parts of the far right the license to antagonize an entire group of people. And so whether he wins a primary or not, you've still got women and men in Florida policing bathrooms, policing kids' bodies, and it's spreading. And I wonder what we do about that. You know, I'm less concerned about Ron DeSantis, but it's like, how do we put the shit back that he's unleashed? Especially because to me, it feels... I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to really be careful. Yeah. Um, But it feels to me that intentionally or unintentionally, Ron DeSantis has turned his state essentially into a neo Jim Crow state. I mean, think about it, right? Like colored and and white bathrooms, water fountains, books. Yeah. I mean, all of these new policies often have like direct analogies to a lot of different Jim Crow. And it all sounds, I know it often sounds ridiculous and laughable, but I'm here to tell you at one point in U.S. history in the state of Mississippi, it was illegal for a black person to beat a white person playing chess. Sit with Mm -hmm. it. But it's because all of this is indicative and symptomatic of the broader 
atmosphere. They're trying to change reality. Like you said, like whether these laws and policies actually make it into the law books or they're stalled in courts, it's like the words are out there. And particularly, I mean, think about it. Like if you're a young person, if you're a kid, you know, trying to figure out your identity and all this kind of stuff, it's like just hearing, just hearing the adults around you, just kind of Mm -hmm. seeing the headlines, it's really, really scary. And we know that queer young people, black trans people are disproportionately at risk for suicide, (laughs) mental health crises, you know? And so I just think really... What Ron DeSantis is trying to do is he's trying to kill off an entire portion of his own state's population as a campaign strategy for yeah. a failed campaign. It's for gonna, a failed it's campaign. It's already yeah. failed. I do wonder what's the best way to approach all of this. You know, the NAACP advised this week against travel to Florida. You know, the largest and most historic black organizing group in the country has said, don't even go there anymore. Um what do we think will work, you know, beyond Ron DeSantis to just kind of pull things back, especially when it comes to the way people in this country have felt like they're allowed to treat trans people? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either, but I've seen moments in which I'm like, that. that's the beginning of something. So a version or a moment of this was this week with LA Dodgers, who took on Ron DeSantis's point of view and said, Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, which is a very famous charity group that came about in the HIV AIDS epidemic in the 80s and 90s, could not be at Pride Night for the Dodgers game, which is wild to ban After they had queens. announced that they wanted to honor this group. On their exactly. Pride Night. Wild. Then there was backlash from Marco Rubio and others, and they pulled back the honor and said they can't come anymore. Oy. Exactly. It's ridiculous. But now they've reversed it, and now they're coming, and they're being honored. So we're seeing here in L.A. the creep of these very fascist ideas into Los Angeles, literally down the street from my house, and we're seeing pushback. So people should push back where they can. Often there's a tendency when something in the South or something in a rural state or in a state like Florida or Mississippi or Texas, you see a lot of people who don't live in those regions, who don't live in those places, kind of try to outsource or distance themselves oh, from yeah. the bigotry. It's and, not oh, us, it's the, them. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, a lot of the rhetoric is, oh, well, you should just leave. Everybody can't leave. Everyone can't afford to leave. No one should have to leave yeah. if they don't want to leave a state. Yeah. But also, I guess, I think the only solution to save all of our lives is to kill it at the root, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is why, like, confronting January 6th direct head-on mm-hmm. was so important. And this is why, for yeah. example, taking Access Hollywood, it was such a crucial and missed opportunity for us to head off a lot of harm and violence. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't kill it at the root, it spreads. And my goodness, there are a lot of seeds germinating. And I just think, like, what's happening in Florida is happening and will continue to happen across the country and in places that you may think because you're in California, oh, I'm, we're good. It's mm-hmm. a blue state. No. Mm-hmm. We no. see how quickly this spreads like wildfire. So I think it's, it is really important to loudly, vocally, financially take on Ron DeSantis and his supporters for these policies in every way we can because I don't think it's like, well, we can contain it to Florida. I, I don't think that's like possible. And, you know, it's never just Florida. It's never just one politician. All of these things are bigger than you think they're going to be before you know it. Just this week, Ron DeSantis also alluded to, should he become president, ensuring a conservative Supreme Court majority for as long as possible. He has said seven to two. That's what he wants. So this thing is big. And I don't know, I guess my hope in this conversation is to have folks realize whatever happens with his run for president, which he announces this week or next, that can't be the only thing that we look at. 
and observe and fight against because it's bigger and it's not stopping. When he does eventually drop out of the presidential race, what's going to happen is that legacy media will move on. Mm-hmm. Legacy media will no longer be inter- as interested in Ron DeSantis. And that also means that they are going to stop covering a lot of these the issues regarding immigration, trans yeah. people, schools. It's not going to get the same legacy media scrutiny, but we cannot forget. Media, those producers and executives, they are going to move on as soon as there's like a bigger dog in town. But I do think it's really important for us as citizens, as people, as family members, as neighbors to continue to say, what's going on over there? I know y'all don't care, but we still care about these policies. To your point, Sam, that it's not just about this election. It's It's not not just about this campaign. Everything Ron DeSantis has been trying to do in Florida, Greg Abbott is trying to do in Texas. He's just not Mm -hmm. as good at publicizing it. You know, like there is a lot to watch. Keep your eyes open, Mm y'all. And to Sam's point, there have been over 50 bills across this country. And there there have been hundreds in the past few years. So it's not just Florida. It's not just Texas. They happen in Illinois. They're happening in New York. They may not be Mm -hmm. going as far, but the seeds are getting planted in every state. So watch where you live and look at the dockets of your current electorate and see what they're, they're talking about. So just one more example, because I do think the tide of these bills can feel like and I, I think I did literally use the language of wildfire, like this conflagration that can't be stopped. But the people behind it, like it is weirdly finite, which gives me hope. So the Washington Post just this morning published a new story from Hannah Nadinson. And basically the headline is Objection to Sexual LGBT Content Propels Spike in Book Challenges. And they did some research. And it's like, as we know, there have been like hundreds, right, of, of these bills and books being pulled and everything like this, this reporter was able to track it down. Quote, an analysis of book challenges from across the nation shows that the majority of these book challenges were filed by just 11 people. 11 wow. people. And so that, to me, when I think about Ron DeSantis, it's, it's, it's easy for me to feel scared and just feel like, God, there are legions and legions of these people who are doing such harm. But actually, no. I actually no. think it, it, just it can more look like that. Louder. They're more yeah. consistent and louder. And so there are far many of us yeah, yeah you, you must be as persistent and as loud as they are. So mm-hmm. maybe that's the guidance from this conversation. Yeah. Be persistent, be loud. And it has been that way forever. If you look at the group A Million Moms that has made a lot of news over the past 10 years, which is the big anti-LGBT group that's supposed to represent A Million Moms, there was less than 100 people in that group. Mm. But yet they got treatment by Fox, NBC, everybody, mm-hmm. like they were millions of people. So do research, fact check the fact checkers that you're watching on TV mm-hmm. and uh, really yeah. show how big these people actually are because they're not that big most yeah. of the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anywho, I've had enough of Ron DeSantis. For now, we're going to take a break, bring the vibe back up. Don't go anywhere, listeners. Hey, friends. I'm Alameen Abdul Mahmoud. I'm the host of the new podcast, Commotion. If you don't know about us yet, well, we are your daily deep dive into the biggest stories coming out of the world of pop culture, art, and entertainment. And luckily, I'm not going to be doing it alone, okay? I'll be joined by some brilliant culture writers and thoughtful superfans. We're going to have hilarious hot takes. We're going to have vibrant debates. Consider this your invitation to join the group chat. Get in here and join us. Commotion, available weekdays on CBC Listen.
All right, we are back. And of course, before we end the show, we like to share something that's helping each of us keep our vibes right this week. Uh, Sam, you want to get us started? Yeah. I want to tell all of you to go listen to the new album from one of my favorite artists of all time. Her name is Emily King, K-I-N-G, Crown for King. And I've loved her music for over a decade. Her new album is called Special Occasion. And it's just some beautiful singer-songwriting. I tell folks who don't know her work, it's like, imagine if India Ari and Sheryl Crow were wrapped up in one body and even better wow. than themselves. I've this never is thought Emily of her King's that music. Way. I just, it's so good. Every song on this album is great. The song Metal, you can dance with in your car, but she's just good stuff. I actually had the chance to go to one of her shows in LA this weekend. And she's one of those artists where all of her fans have good vibes and they come together and it's just even more good vibes. There's a kind of positivity in her music, whether she's singing about love or heartbreak or whatever. It's just, I don't know, it boosts the mood. Emily Kane, the album is called Special Occasion. Trust me, it's good. I love that. I love that. She's great. She, she is actually wonderful. Zach, what's your recommendation for the week? Um, I'm embarrassed to share this, but I have to. And it is the new season of Selling Sunset on Netflix, which is just... I had to let go of them. Really. I let go of them. And then I had a flight from New York to LA really late on Friday. Mm -hmm. And I downloaded the whole season just in case I was needing a break from like a crazy week in New York. And these women delivered this season. Chris Shell is now queer. They brought in Nick Cannon's oh. baby mama as oh. she finds out that Nick Cannon's having more children outside the marriage. Oh. It is just <laughs> everything. And these women are delusional and rich yeah. and just absurd. And the houses are so it. ugly. They're like, so yeah, ugly. Uh, this house is uh, $57 million, but all of the surfaces are hard, mean, and cold, and nothing is comfortable. Have no and personality. You're on a cliff. Everything about this is fake, but you watch show and you're like all of this is scripted none of this is real and it's so like unreal that they've already filmed the next few seasons and do a teaser oh at the God. end of the season so anyway if you need a break from reality watch Selling Sunset and it actually I read it boosts tourism to LA you, more people in UK now come to LA on vacation because of the show Lord who are these people and keep them away from me <laughs> They're number That's why one people across, walk around LA barefoot, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We figured it out. We figured it out. Oh my god, Saeed, what's keeping your vibe right? My recommendation. It's going to have to come with some caveats. Um, but last night, my friend Isaac and I went to see Guardians of the Galaxy. <gasps> that raccoon, yo, it gets to you. Now listen, <laughs> if seeing. Animals in cages, if if the idea of, I mean, obviously this is like science fiction, so like animal crazy mean experiments from a mad scientist, if the thought of that makes you uncomfortable, I think you should trust that feeling and maybe yes. not see this movie. But I really enjoyed the movie. I think it's actually one of the best Marvel movies in a long time. I think it's one of the first Marvel movies in a long time where I cared about what was happening the entire film. I cared about the stakes. Like, it just, you know, because as, as I said to Isaac, I was like, you know, in the end, seeing someone, or in this case, a group of people, fight to try to save a friend, or in their case, like a chosen family member, will always be more compelling than seeing someone fight to save a world. It just yeah. is. 
You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. and, and, and you know, and I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I've loved the Guardians movies and I hate Chris Pratt. So for me to be recommending this movie, I hope you understand <laughs> that it's like a testament <laughs> yeah. to how good he is as this character. But well, the whole cast is whew, good. I loved it. I saw it last week and I really, I'm not the biggest fan of Marvel because right. I think they've And I remember you mentioned it and I thought, industry, I was like, you know, but it was Sam good. really doesn't like these movies. I don't really movies, like Marvel. He spoke but, well. Yeah. Here's why it worked for me. It worked for me because Chris Pratt wasn't necessary to make it a good film. What made the film good is just getting the raccoon's backstory. Mm-hmm. And it was told with, like, a lot of care. It's yes. hard to overstate the way that they really humanized these CGI animals mm-hmm. to tell a story of loyalty mm-hmm. and betrayal and friendship. And you, before you know it, you're crying. Yeah. Over the CGI raccoon. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. like, you care for him. Right. If you don't want to cry, yes. I would also say don't go see this well, movie. Well, it's <laughs> funny. I saw Cameron at my little part of him in my house, which Zach has told everybody about. But we were Cameron talking Cassidy. about Guardians of the Galaxy. And he was like, I kind of am worried about Saeed seeing this movie too soon after mm-hmm. what happened with Caesar. Isaac turned to me about five, and it's, an, it's intense, basically from the very beginning. Yeah, and he, and you know, just as a good friend, he said, "Look, if we need to leave and just yes. go hang out at the bar for the next few hours yeah. instead of watch this, we can do this." You know, as I've mentioned, I'm a Marvel nerd, so yeah. I knew a bit of Rocket Raccoon's backstory, which is incredibly dark. And so I, you know, I did the work, but yeah, but it's I was delighted. I think Marvel has lost its way generally. I just think a lot of these projects have been actually worse than mid. They've just actually been very kind of depressing to see all this money kind of being wasted on mediocre storytelling. And this felt like a great blockbuster. And I appreciated, I don't know, there's something about the catharsis of like Mm -hmm. an intense and emotional action movie. And you're you're a little exhausted by the end, but it felt good. It felt good to just see a movie and just be so emotionally engaged and kind of locked in. And then, you know, by the end, you're just like, we did it together. (laughs) Yeah. And a very fun soundtrack. Very fun soundtrack. Well, they always, like, what they're known for, this this part of Marvel is the music is so integral to the movies and how they use it to move story and the atmosphere around. So I really want to see it. I haven't had time to see it. It Mm. looks amazing. That's good. But it also is a great example of when CGI is used to originate characters, I'm really on board. Mm -hmm. I can do it. But when you're using it to create like a deja vu effect of a movie you've seen, it loses yeah. me. Uh-huh. So Guardians yeah. is pretty strong, I think, as a franchise. It made me excited. It made me excited. I like that. All right. All right. Those are our recommendations for the week. But friends, what are you feeling or not feeling? What's your vibe? If you're walking around barefoot, don't tell us. Just keep that to yourself. But <laughs> otherwise, you can check in with us at vibecheck at stitcher.com. Thank you, listeners, for listening to our very chaotic episode of Vibe Check this week. If you love the show and want to support us, please make sure to follow the show on your favorite podcast listening platform and tell a friend, tell another friend, tell your mother, tell your brother, tell your sister, tell your lover. Tell you they, them. I love it. Huge thank you to our producer, Chantel Holder, our long-suffering producer, Chantel Holder, engineer Brendan Burns, and Marcus Holm for our theme music and sound design. And also thank you to our executive producers, Nora Ritchie at Stitcher and Brandon Sharp from Agenda Management and Production. And listeners, we want to hear from you. Don't forget, email us anytime, any place. We're at vibecheck at stitcher.com, vibecheck at stitcher.com. Also, keep in touch with us on Instagram at Sam Sanders, at Zach Staff, and at The Ferocity. And use the hashtag VibeCheckPod. 
All right. Till next time, wear deodorant if you want to or not. I don't care. And Live Jacob Valorti, if you're listening, I know we said your name like three different ways this episode. But honestly, until you start wearing shoes again consistently, <sighs> oh, you're just going to have to cope. Goodbye. <laughs> we'll see y'all next week. <laughs> Stitcher. Hey, Vibe Check listeners. Check out Zach Stafford in the latest episode of Stars and Stars with Issa, where I read his birth chart. Because I'm such a dreamer. Like, I love what you said about a lot of revolutionaries that I love and know. They all are in Pisces, and they're all able to, like, build new worlds around them. And I find so much joy out of building new worlds and new ways of thinking. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts and also online at Stars and Stars with Isa on Instagram and TikTok.